Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 33 of the Pitched Contact podcast. I'm your host, Ben Jones of Twinkie Town, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, John Kuh. John, if you had to save $15 million somewhere, where would you save it? Just in your life. <laughs> uh First off, uh, where is this $15 million coming from? I wish <laughs> I wish I had $15 million to save. Um it it probably ooh, it probably comes out of like maybe it's like the the random uh, uh the the fun to build the new uh gaming computer. That's probably where it comes out. Ooh, there we go. That that's a good one. If uh that that type of question always reminds me of that meme that goes around where it's like groceries $500, yeah. dinner $100, uh, collectible build bears four thousand nine dollars a month. <laughs> yeah. Somebody help me budget. I don't know what to do. Right. Anyway, so that's kind of how I feel here as I'm uh, budgeting for the twins. Of like, oh, somebody help me save money here. What do I do? I'm like, well, right. I just feel like this isn't my responsibility. Yeah. I mean, in context, it's like where where would you reduce ten percent of your budget? And it's like that's a big chunk of change. Yeah. Uh, we'll we'll get into that more in a second. But what a what a fun way to uh, start our off season with that. Uh, news really putting a damper on everything right off the bat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We basically, I, I, well, I think for me it was Dan Hayes who reported the story first, but it might have been some other other Twins beat writers. But I remember seeing that come across my my Twitter feed, and I was just just a little disappointed. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it it also comes on the heels of the fact that we still don't know what the Twins are going to do for TV money. Like, there's a good mm-hmm. chance that let's just say somehow they get like a good you know, proposal on some direct or consumer product. And you're like, well, you know what? We could maybe be, maybe add 5 million to the, the payroll or something like that. You know, maybe it's not as harsh as we think it's going to be. The problem is that's all up in the air right now. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. They give us a pretty big range. And I think that's kind of where that'll factor in is yep. what the TV situation looks like. I think the uh, first person I saw the news from was uh, Bobby Nightingale, the new oh, sure. guy at the uh, Star Pioneer Tribune. Trust. Or yeah, he's a Star Tribune. Yeah, that's right. Star Tribune. Yeah. And uh, he is I'm sure a great reporter does his own work, all that stuff. But of course he is also uh, the son of Bob Nightingale, the long time, I think he's at USA today yeah, now uh-huh. uh, anyway, but he's famous for getting things wrong. And so I'm like, maybe that's hereditary because when I first saw it, I was like, no, that that's not right. That can't be it. And so I was hoping it was hereditary. Uh, then once Hayes reports that Hayes is pretty much the gospel truth. So, yeah, it's uh, it was funny when he was hired on actually as a Star Tribune writer because I got really confused for a second. I was like, I know why is too. Bob Nightingale coming to cover the Twins when he's doing national baseball at USA Today? And they realized, yeah. oh, it's his son. That makes a lot more sense. <laughs> yeah, doing uh, national baseball being kind of a loose term, but <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> when you're talking about Bob Nightingale, anyway. Uh, all that being said, today we're going to get into all the news we've missed since we last recorded. Uh, nothing crazy that's happened, but you know a few key items as we've been uh, on a little bit of a hiatus here. So we'll get into all that. And then we're going to talk about our uh, top free agent pitchers that the Twins, you know, that we would like to see the Twins go after with those new payroll restrictions in mind. So we'll set that all up, see where they're at, and you know, kind of give some realistic options, right? I don't think anybody here is going to expect the Twins to sign Shohei Otani or uh, Jordan Yacht. Jordan Yamamoto? That's not his name. That's a different Yamamoto. I can't remember the first name of the Yamamoto who's coming over uh, this year. I think. Ah, that's right. Uh, Jordan Yamamoto is a yeah. God, God damn it. (laughs) Jordan Yamamoto is a former Mets pitcher. So that's right. uh, That that's where I was getting a little confused there. But yeah, he's coming over from Japan, I believe. Yep. And Mm -hmm. he's kind of viewed as the second tier guy. Either way, not a guy the Twins even realistically would 
be able to get even if they didn't have payroll restrictions. So nothing like that, but maybe uh, some other guys they can find here that could really make an impact to replace Sonny Gray, who is most likely leaving. And I stand corrected. His name is actually Yoshinobu, not Yamamoto, not Yoshinobu. There we go. I mean, if he goes, uh, if his career goes as well as everybody expects it to, I'm sure we'll all know that name soon. Yes. Uh, Okay. But before we get into that, some quick programming reminders, you can follow our podcast on Twitter at Twins Talk Pod. And of course, please make sure you are subscribed wherever you listen to your podcasts as we uh, always appreciate that as well. So leave us a five-star review if you enjoy. Without further ado, let's get into uh, the news that we've missed. So let's start with uh, kind of the Twins' first move, which was Jorge Polanco and Max Kepler. Picked, they officially picked up both their options for 2024, as we both predicted in our last episode, I believe. Uh, Polanco is at $10.5 million with a $12 million deal, uh, option for 2025. And Kepler is at $10 million, and after this year, that's it. So this is the last uh, year on his contract. Uh, both of those, with how they performed last year, were pretty much no-brainers. But, John, what are your kind of thoughts on the Twins officially bringing them back? Um, I mean, we, we kind of already talked about it, but basically it just gives them the option to continue dealing uh, or finding trades for Polanco and Kepler in the future. Yeah. And if both of them end up on the opening day roster, I don't think the Twins are going to be disappointed about that either. Yeah, we, we talked about this a lot already, but, you know, with uh, Julian's defensive questions, with Royce Lewis's injury history, might not be the worst thing ever to have a third starting caliber player who can play those positions. So, mm-hmm. uh, yes, yeah, de- definitely a luxury to have. I think the other thing that will factor in here is what happens with Kyle Farmer. He was officially tendered a contract, so uh, the Twins won't lose him for nothing if they trade him away. Uh, but, you know, also not a guarantee he'll be on the roster to start the year. I think him and Polanco are pretty tied there where I think one of the two will be on the team next year. I don't think both will be. Yeah, it's kind of hard to justify basically paying $16 million to two guys who, and if we're being honest, are probably super utility men. Yeah. Um, just if you, you know, have the logic of, you know, uh, Julian playing second base, uh and then, uh, and assuming Royce Lewis plays third, then it's like, okay, then where do Polanco and Kyle Farmer go in in that situation? If there's only one of them, then it makes a lot of sense, right? You have a super utility player, essentially. Um, but since you have both of them, it's a little bit harder to rationalize basically having two extra infielders, including Willie Castro. Yeah, um, you can also fill either team. of those roles. Exactly. So it, it feels like there's a lot of redundancies with the roster. Uh, it worked this past season because of injuries and things like that. And that, that might be a real thing this upcoming season as well, knowing these twins players, but um, yeah, it's probably something that the twins will try to fix through the trade market rather than um, going into opening day with both those guys on the roster. Yeah. And you're, you're in a good spot too, where, um, you know, if you want to try to work them as part of a bigger package to bring back an impact player, you can do that. If you want to just get back a prospect to kind of dump the salary and then spend that money on the free agent market, you got a lot of options there, right? And that's kind of, you know, talking about dumping the salary. It's not so much dumping the salary as moving the money around, mm-hmm. kind of like the Twins did with Josh Donaldson right before they signed Carlos Correa, right? The Twins trade out Josh Donaldson. Fans get upset. Well, it turns out they were doing that to set up something bigger. So it's not really anything uh to worry about i would say if something like that happens Mm -hmm. uh and and the other thing to keep in mind too is i think uh max kepler has a much better shot of being on the opening day roster than kepler just because while they do have a ton of infield depth you know including the prospects we haven't even talked about Mm -hmm. they don't have a lot of outfield depth so 
uh, I, I think if you had to keep one or the other, they'd probably opt for Kepler. Yeah. And I'm just looking at, you know, available free agents right now. And granted, like this is not an exhaustive list of them, but basically the middle infield uh, grouping of free agents this year is like not great. It's yeah, it's a pretty weak. It's market. Whit Mirrorfield and Tim Anderson so far. And I would say Polanco probably has more value. Definitely than those two. Than those two. Uh, Farmer, maybe not as much because of age, but um, basically there might be a healthy trade market for um, for teams that are looking for a serviceable, uh, you know, second base shortstop player on their team. Yeah, I, I think it's definitely, you know, wise to keep them now. And then whether they're on the opening day roster or not, you know, that that's to be determined, but at least you can get something back for them if they leave instead of nothing. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. Uh, one other thing I want to say about outfield depth. Did you see uh, the Fangraphs article about the Twins outfield situation, specifically regarding Emmanuel Rodriguez? No, I did not. Uh, basically, it was one of their uh, looking forward type of pieces. and They called out Emmanuel Rodriguez as a guy who was recently uh, added to a 40-man roster mm-hmm. who could make the big league team out of camp, which is the craziest thing I've ever heard because Emmanuel Rodriguez could very well turn to be a turn out to be an excellent uh, big league player, but he's never played above high A. He has incredibly high strikeout rates and uh, doesn't play very good center field defense because their whole argument was that, oh, he plays center and they think he can defend there right now. It's like, no, all of the like twins guys have always said the whole time, he plays center right now, most likely he's losing, he's moving to a corner eventually. Mm-hmm. So it, that was just like an insane thing for where you just really see like a national guy that does not have the finger on the pulse at all of what's going on for a, for an individual team. Yeah. I, I think there's a couple people ahead of Rodriguez who the twins would rather have in center. Um, I mean, to say the least. Yeah. Right? I mean, it just, just because of age, I think also just being only 21, like, yeah, we, the, they picked him up on the 40 man, but that was because, you know, they signed him so young Yeah, at 16, they had to put him on the 40 man. Yeah, I mean, completely setting aside just the like, it would probably ruin his development, right? There, there's just no way he'd be capable of uh, playing at the big league level. And so they, they'd probably put Matt Walner out there in center before they'd really put Emmanuel Rodriguez. Yeah, so, yeah. him just, as the opening day guy makes no sense at all. A- absolutely none at all. So just a little funny tidbit there that uh, right. I, I saw this last week. Uh, anyway, speaking of which, that brings us to our next uh, news note, which was our 40-man roster pickups, which you and I predicted 4 for 4 where we predicted Emmanuel Rodriguez, Austin Martin, uh, Junior Severino, and Jair Camargo. Uh, that's who they added. Who knows if all those guys will be on the roster, but we went into them each in depth a lot more in our previous episode. So go uh, give that a listen if you're interested. Uh, but I, I think of that group, probably Camargo and Martin have the biggest chance of uh, impacting it immediately. Martin factoring into that center field mix like we were talking about before. Mm-hmm. And then Camargo, frankly, would have played for the big league team last year, but the Twins just had unprecedented catcher health with neither Jeffers or Vasquez ever going on the injured list. Right. And that might end up factoring into what the Twins do this offseason with Vasquez specifically. Um, I mean, I know there's been a lot of chatter about how they really like their options of having both those guys on the roster. Yeah. They want them to split games for the 2024 season and honestly it's kind of it's a really rational decision if you think about it like having two healthy catchers is not something that every team gets to experience and you know maybe you could chalk up vasquez's past year to being a really down year but it really wasn't that far off from what his normal uh skill level is at um so i i could see them see like camargo as okay this guy's legit he's good enough to play backup catcher yeah are we okay with um, are we okay with Jeffers, you know, playing for a hundred games 
or maybe 120 games and Camargo catches for 40. If we're not comfortable with that, then, you know, maybe we keep Vasquez for, you know, a little bit longer and maybe trade him mid season or something like that. Yeah. And I mean, even if you weren't comfortable with Camargo, I think there's a lot of good backup catcher options out there on the market, right? There's every backup catcher is a guy who defends well and can't hit right They're They're all pretty mm-hmm. much the same. And so there's uh you know, like Andrew Neiser was just a uh, non-tendered by the Cardinals. Great. Perfect backup catcher, right? So even mm-hmm. if you weren't comfortable with Camargo's defense, which I think would be the biggest question, um, he does have a little more offensive upside than Vasquez does. But um, yeah, if we're looking at ways to save salary, Vasquez is another one that would be pretty easy right there with Polanco and Kepler. Yeah. Shout out to Sandy Leone, who was like the, oh, yeah. the backup catcher for the twins, like two seasons ago, I think. Yep. And was just like one of the, the small bright spots in the month of September because he was actually playing well compared to the rest of the team. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, but yeah, uh, it, it's a luxury afforded by Ryan Jeffers, you know, semi breakout, which, uh, John Foley over on Twinkie town wrote about the breakout. How real was it? Was it not? Uh, if it wasn't, uh, or, or if it was maybe not as real as you thought it was, there's still enough there. I think, especially on the defensive side where you see the progress. And so I think the twins would be comfortable with him, you know, starting hundred games potentially. I mean, even if Vasquez is there, he might do that. And so, uh, I think the twins catching position is pretty good overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the next, uh, piece of news here, you know, not really going chronologically this, this happened a bit ago, but Dick Bramer, uh, longtime voice of the twins. Of course, he's literally been the, uh, twins play by play guy. As long as I have been alive, probably since he did it for 40 years, as long as most twins fans have been alive. Uh, and so, you know, they're moving on. I don't think, uh, Bramer was particularly bad. I also don't think he was particularly good, uh, with the TV situation being what it is. I kind of feel like it was a good time to look for a change, see if you can get something a little more, uh, exciting in there. Uh, but I also get that he's been around the team forever and a lot of people have, you know, very deep attachments to him. Yeah. I mean, he's a legend. Um, it, it's going to be different without his, his voice in the, in the box. Um, that being said, though, if the Twins don't immediately uh, promote Corey Provis, I don't know why they made this move in the first place. Yeah, I, that that's kind of been the thought is that, you know, that's it's Provis's job to lose. Right. And if he doesn't want it, that's one thing. Yeah, but I, I would agree with you that, um, you know, he, he'd be a really good choice for that. He's great on the radio. Uh, I've heard him do a few uh, college football games on yep. Fox. Right. So he has that TV experience. He filled in for Bramer earlier this year when he was out with COVID to start the year. And so. Yeah, yeah, I think Provis would be a great choice, but I, this is pretty similar to the Timberwolf situation a couple of years ago with mm-hmm. uh, Dave Benz when yep. they replaced him with Michael Grady. Everyone was upset about uh, Benz leaving. Michael Grady is like one of my favorite guys to listen to now. So he, yep. he's awesome on the T-Wolves broadcast. And so I think that's a lot of what the uh, Twins fans will see too. Like, It's sad to see him go. I've mm-hmm. probably listened to Bramer speak more than anybody in my life just with <laughs> the amount of Twins games I've watched sure. since I mostly uh, watch them on TV, not on the radio. And so, uh, you know, like it's very, definitely going to be different, but different isn't always bad. Yeah. I mean, the, the nice thing, if we want to go off a little bit tangent here with Michael Grady, who's the voice of the Timberwolves, you know, he was kind of stuck behind uh, uh, Iron Eagle over on, yeah. the, on the Nets broadcast. So he was just never going to get promoted there. And the Timberwolves saw an opportunity to get a guy who is, you know, got a little bit more energy, a little bit younger. Yeah. Um you know, maybe kind of kind of connect with um, you know basketball culture a little bit more, and uh, yeah, signed him up. And it was it was a good move. Um, and baseball is a little bit weirder because it's not you know it, it's uh, it, it's not as niche. I feel like um, yeah, like you you know on the Twins broadcast, for example, on the radio, like they'll have um, 
Corey call call some innings, and then they'll also have uh, Dan Gladden call some innings. Like they'll switch off play by play uh, because they can, because it's it's baseball. You just you know call balls and strikes, and oh, you know that's a double. Uh, yep. But Provis does have a really good voice on on radio. I've I've really appreciated his call because again, uh, with blackouts, he's the voice I'm listening to most often uh, when it comes yeah. to Twins games. So I'm pretty used to it at this point. I think he does a good job with also kind of breaking down the the little bit analytics a little bit. Um, I mean, he's not, you know, one of the wizards or nerds of, of baseball, but he, you know, he, he respects it enough to talk about it. Yeah. The, uh, I, I'm not in uh, twins territory anymore as they call it. So that's the thing, especially the last decade or so, since I've moved away, that's where I've been watching them all get MLB.tv and just do it that way. It's mm-hmm. been great. Watch all the games. Uh, but uh, speaking of which uh, the TV contract is kind of the next piece of yep. uh, news here. So, The situation we talked about before, which is they had a $54 million deal with uh, Diamond, with Bally Bally Sports, uh, that expired. They're going bankrupt. They're not going to renew with the Twins. The Twins don't want to renew with them, and so the Twins have to explore their options. Um, And so along with that is the payroll decrease that comes. But before we get to that, uh, there was an article that came out, I believe, from Dan Hayes earlier this week talking about the Twins' priorities. Uh, this article, I would say, there, there's nothing explicitly in the reporting that says, oh, the Twins are going to get a ton of money. But I will say that the tone of this one did seem to come across as a little bit more positive, where they're like, hey, we're not going to make up all this money, but we're feeling better than we did maybe a month ago when we were exploring options. And so um, I, I think that's good. Of course, the actual reporting that was in the article was uh, the Twins essentially saying, our number one priority here is to make sure more people can watch the game, uh, where I, I think they were saying that they could due to blackouts and other restrictions, they could only reach, you know, potentially a third of the people that they wanted to. Uh, I I believe that's a third of the households. And so just making it more available, obviously getting rid of the blackouts, figuring everything out. Uh, I think MLB.TV for me has been awesome living outside there, right? I have one app. I pay for the whole thing so I can watch uh, other teams if I want to, too. Uh, But then like when the twins are playing the Rockies, I'm blacked out. Okay, that's really frustrating. How do I watch this game so I can cover it for my job, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and so that part's been frustrating. So if you can eliminate that, obviously, I'm sure for you living in Minneapolis, it's been even more frustrating. Um, so I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on the uh, TV situation as it stands at the moment? Yeah, I mean, it, it would be it'd be kind of a big deal for them to be able to do that direct to consumer because, again, you know, they're they're kind of on the the bleeding edge of that, right? Like they're, yeah. I think they mentioned only the Padres and the Diamondbacks last year because you know their TV contract ended in the middle of the season. Yeah, they ended up producing their own stuff and, and was able to broadcast it through MLB TV. I did find it hilarious in that specific article the the quote from Scott Boris, like he's like super positive about this. I'm like, ah, it feels like drinking the Kool-Aid just a tiny bit there. <laughs> um, but Boris, no, that doesn't sound right. Right. Uh, at the end of the day, his, his, you know, all his guys already have contracts with the twins. So yeah. uh, he doesn't care too much about it too much. They're, they're going to get paid. Um, but yeah, I think there's a, there's a lot of opportunities here for the twins to do something interesting. And even if it means like, uh, even if it means like they have a lower payroll for this upcoming year, which we'll talk about Um, being able to reach more twins fans, I think would be, would be huge as part of the whole process because yeah, it is frustrating being in Minnesota and, you know, basically not having cable because that's literally like the only way you can watch Valley sports now. Um, And it's, I don't want to pay for cable, but I don't just to list to just to watch the twins. Like that doesn't seem like the the best deal. So we'll see what, what ends up happening. Uh, You know, if it's like a, if it's like an add on to MLB TV, where it's like, hey, if you add on like, let's just say ten bucks a month or something like that, right. you get MLB TV, and you also are able to watch the Twins in market. I would love that. If they just got rid of blackouts completely, I would 
<laughs> Even I would better. love that as well, but I just don't know how the twins will get the revenue from that specifically. So, yeah, um, yeah. There's a lot of interesting here, things here. I think last week we also talked about the last time we talked about the ability to sell ads on it. Like, the, it, yeah, the, they don't just have one way of making money in terms of selling subscriptions. Like, there's plenty of other ways that um, you can make money um, on that type of product. And there's the long term benefit too of your creating more twins fans, right? Uh, I, I think with the vast majority of children in the Minnesota area not being able to watch the Minnesota Twins, well, that's not going to lend you to then being able to sell tickets or merch or other TV subscriptions to them when they're adults. And mm-hmm. so uh, in my opinion, I think the most likely scenario is you have some combination of the two where you have a local broadcast partner um, that's you know probably paying significantly less than Bali did, mm-hmm. or Bali did, obviously. Um, but you still have that for the, uh, you know, older generation that still has cable or even the people that just want to keep their cable and do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have a directed consumer on top of it, which I think I talked about this the last time we did, but, uh, I'm out here in the Salt Lake city area and the Utah jazz did the exact same thing yeah. where they have a partnership with, uh, I think it's root sports is what they are out here. Okay. Uh, but then they also offer a direct to consumer option for like 20 bucks a month. Right. And yeah. so I think something like that would go over great. Well, and the thing I've noticed, like the national talk about like the Utah Jazz um, product this year is that the production is like really, really good. Yeah, um, it is. And that's always been the thing with Bally is that Bally's production is like hot garbage. Yeah. Um, and like, I don't even know if that really goes back to like the Fox Sports days. Like, I feel like those were okay, but people didn't really care too much about it at that point. Right. I think now with so many things that are more digital and with just all the stats and information that's available to us, like that's way more important um, to have like a good product on TV. And I know Bally's just been behind the curve on that in general. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it'll be interesting to see what the twins do. I mean, their marketing department's like not the best, yeah. but, um, this could be an opportunity for them to really, uh, grow in that area. Yeah. The, the last note I'll make here before we move on is the jazz situation. While it's cool. I also know that they are eating a good amount of that money themselves. Sure. Uh, they just hired a, not hired. They just got a new owner three years ago. Right. Uh, yep. And his first move essentially after being brought in as owner was trading away Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, two of the best and most popular players for the jazz in the last mm-hmm. 20 years. And so now that was like out of the owner's control, right? Those two players wanted out and uh, Rudy Gobert is not good despite what the Timberwolves hey uh, will have you hey believe now. this year. Uh, I want to get to a Timberwolves thing later. I so will not take this lots. Rudy Gobert slander. <laughs> but um, anyway, he, he kind of had to earn back some goodwill of the fans here because of that. And so uh, I know that he is personally eating a lot of that money. So we'll see how that this situation looks in maybe like three or four years. Mm-hmm. The other thing I'll say, though, is basketball, very different than baseball, right? Where basketball is much more of a national product. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get revenue sources from a, revenue streams from a lot of other sources around the league. Um, and just frankly, NBA owners are a lot more willing to throw around the cash than baseball owners typically are so uh kind of similar situations but important to point out the differences as well yeah the the one thing i'll add to that too as well is the one thing the weird thing that the timberwolves did this season um was that they ended up taking their radio broadcast pretty much not completely off the the airwaves but they ended up switching from you know a30 wccoam to kfan but then their deal with kfan was basically they're going to have a dedicated app on the iheart radio app and then they'll have some games on the radio which like to me is actually kind of annoying uh because you don't know if there's always a radio station that you can turn to uh to listen to the game um now granted i have league pass so i'm able to listen to the game on uh you know regardless but you know you you have a really good point that there needs to be kind of a local product 
um, yeah. for these twins games. Like it can't be all direct to consumer, I think, because let's be honest, the baseball clientele is just a little bit older um, than most of the other sports. And yeah. they're going to want to have something that they, you know, they can catch on the bunny ears or catch on their cable subscription. Um, whereas the younger generations like, yeah, we'll, we'll take the direct to consumer any, any day. Yeah. And, and I think that's maybe a little bit overstated where, you know, old people watch Netflix, right. And o- old people like my grandma, uh, gets cable through YouTube TV and she knows how to handle it. Right. You know? And so I, I think it's maybe a little bit overstated being like, oh, we need those people to still be able to sure. watch the games. They yep. could, they could figure it out. Mm-hmm. But, um, I, I think that portion could still be a, uh, significant revenue stream, even if it's not mm-hmm. giant. Right. And there's still the part of it of just like, oh, I'm flipping through my TV. There's nothing on. I'll just throw on the Twins game up in the background while I'm doing some work or something, right? And yeah. so being able to do that, even if you're not super passionate about the Twins, well, that can lead to being a bigger fan down the line. Yeah. Let's just not get a repeat of Twins vision. Oh, yeah. Good times. <laughs> I wasn't around for that, but I, I've Me neither. read I just, a lot, I just of, heard the read a lot about it since then because of this situation. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's get into the uh, outcome of the TV deal, which of course is the payroll decrease. So uh, the official number that was not official number, I should say, the number that Dan Hayes reported was between 125 and 140 million. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to point out that there are no direct quotes from Derek Falvey or anybody within the Twins uh, organization saying there's going to be a payroll decrease or this is the exact number. However, like we said before, if Dan Hayes reports it, it's pretty much gospel truth. So um, I think it's safe to say they'll be within that range. However, I think the difference between 125 and 140 is pretty significant. Uh, for example, right now, uh, if you include the estimated arbitration salaries, they're already at 121 million. And so if they're really you know hard capping it at 125, well, you have $4 million to f- fill you know at least three, maybe four or five holes, depending on how much you want to add in the bullpen. And so um, you know, obviously that's not going to fly. And we talked already about the ways you can create cap space, but I think, or cash to spend, not cap space. But I think ideally the twins would like to be, or the front office would definitely like to be closer to that 140 million where you have uh, room to maneuver. And then you also have guys you can trade away if you want to maneuver a little bit more. Right. Um, so because of that big range, I think it's pretty hard to tell what they're going to do. I've been kind of operating in my head, at least with it being probably somewhere in the middle around like 135, 132, somewhere in that range. Um, but yeah, I'll be very interested to see what happens here. One thing that I think we'll hear early in the uh, free agency process here is I don't think the twins are going to be on any of these guys that sign quick because those are the guys that are going to take the most money. But we will most likely hear, oh, the Twins offered this to this pitcher, this to this pitcher, right? Sonny Gray, especially whenever he inevitably signs somewhere else, uh, there's no way Dan Hayes won't have, hey, the Twins offered him three for 70 and he ended up turning it down and he signed with Atlanta for four for 90, right? And so there's just little things like that that we'll hear. And as we hear those, I think those will give us a really good hint into which side of the range that will be on. Yeah, we'll talk about this more when we get to free agency. Um, but the one thing I do want to note is that technically this cap is not set by anyone, but the twins themselves. So an important thing to note everywhere along the way, as we talk about that, uh, keep it in the back of your head of like, this isn't a league enforced one. This is, uh, the poll ad saying, this is how much we would like to spend on this team. Right. And you know, we already mentioned this, this can be extremely variable depending on what they decide to do with their TV deal. Yeah. And so. Uh, they had about 154 million in payroll in 2023 after they paid out uh, incentives to guys like Buxton and Cray and Maeda. 
Um, so you'll be looking at about a at least fifteen million dollar decrease, maybe you know up to twenty million or thirty million dollar decrease, which is not insignificant, right? That that's pretty large. That's basically Sunny Gray, right, mm-hmm. or Carlos Correa. The other thing I'll say about that one fifty four though is I think that only got that high because of a very unique situation with Carlos Correa, where the Twins had already started spending money in other places. By the time they figured out, oh, we can still get Carlos Correa now that he signed somewhere else, and so. Obviously, that created a unique situation of let's sign him, pay him whatever we need to pay him for this year and bring him in. And so I think it's important to keep that in mind, too, of like the 154 dropping down from that number is disappointing, but they were in a very weird situation that made them push it all the way to 154. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, Correa was signed for essentially, what, 30 million, right? So prior to Correa, their, their payroll was 124. Basically, now I know they yeah. added people after they had signed Correa, so um, there's a little bit difference there. But the, if they didn't sign Correa, they wouldn't have signed anyone else for shortstop because that's what Kyle Farmer was for. So, um, right, they've they literally traded for his replacement already. Right, so it is actually a little bit of a thought process where it's like, if you didn't have Correa, technically the payroll's going up, but don't let them let you spin it that way. Right, and. Uh, looking at 2022, their payroll is also basically exactly 154, funnily enough. Hmm. Uh, but then 2021, it was all the way down at 123, right? And that was coming off of back-to-back playoff seasons. Mm-hmm. And still, they're like, ah, this, this isn't as high as we're going. So you kind of look at it that way, right? Instead of looking at it as, oh, we're going down from this. Okay, well, they're at you know 123 in the last normal season. You could pretty much, just from inflation, guess like 5 to $10 million of an increase either uh, from year to year, which would put them right about at you know, 130, 140 for uh, 2024. So yeah. again, it's disappointing. And ideally you would like to see them just keep spending and keep pushing it forward. But, you know, to give them credit, this isn't insane based off of how they operated in the past. Yeah. And like generally with baseball economics, like they, they got four playoff games this year, which was nice, but kind of the general understanding is you don't see the effects of a playoff run until the next season. Yeah. And you obviously have more fans. People are excited. They want to come to games and see, you know, the, the, the team that won the the division championship um we'll we'll see if that really happens with the twins because let's be honest like it's 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 a tough draw for for some reason um like i think they they got less than two million fans in into the um <clears throat> into the stadium this year so we'll see Which what that still looks increase like. but not as much of an increase as right. you know other places exactly so their ticket revenues might go up and that might impact some things but they're probably not completely factoring that into their, their payroll just yet. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think, you know, as we move into 2025, that's where we'll see it start to increase again, which is good because this team's going to get expensive because they have a lot of good players. Yeah. Um, but the other thing to note here is um, this isn't the worst team to have to take a payroll cut on because pretty much your, your good players are locked in, right? You have fairly reasonable salaries for guys like Kepler and Polanco who are um, veterans who have performed very, very well. You know, if either of them were on the, uh, free agent market. Uh, MLB Trade Rumors is predicting four for 80 for Teoscar Hernandez, so doubling Kepler's salary, right? I think Kepler would be at least in that same range, right? So 20 million for Kepler. Uh, Polanco, you could probably put that uh, about the same as well. And so you're getting good deals on that guy, on those guys. And then, of course, you have the slew of young players that kind of carried the team last year in uh, Julian and Lewis and Walner. And then, of course, Joe Ryan, Bailey Ober, uh, Yohan Duran, you, all these younger guys that are making league minimum guys that are in their first or second year salary arbitration. It's a pretty cheap team, all things considered. And then you have Carlos Correa, uh, Byron Buxton, Pablo Lopez, the expensive veterans who are expensive for a reason. 
And Pablo's not really expensive until next year, anyways. Yeah, that's true. I think he's only at eight for this year. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I was I was in in prep for this episode. I was looking at the team on roster resource, and I was like, huh, that's actually a legitimate like starting day lineup. You know, it's yeah. like it's not one where you're like, oh, we're missing a huge piece here. You know, um, I mean, granted, we would be missing Sunny Gray likely, but you know, like. Right. For an opening day roster, if you look at this, you're like, yeah, they could maybe get like one or two more bench bats, um, yeah. but like, and, and you know, maybe a starter and maybe a reliever. But honestly, like the team already looks kind of good. I know and we're that, still the playing in the AL Central. Yeah, the AL Central, which I'm going to get to some moves around the division in a moment here, but <sighs> it, it's uh, well, yeah, they're, they're the in a division good spot. Is self-imploding too. It, the, the the division is imploding. The other teams are actively getting worse, except for maybe the Tigers. And like you were saying, if you just look at the team right now, maybe the only place that I think I'd really be upset about where we'd be heading into the season would be center field. But even that, Willie Castro played pretty well. You know, he'd probably be the setting field, the center fielder opening day, or maybe Byron Buxton if he's healthy enough to play out there. And so there, there's really no place uh, in the lineup. Maybe in the bullpen you could upgrade a little bit, but again, it's not. Uh, anywhere like we've been, you know, the last two or three years heading into the offseason. They have really good spots uh, all along the line. And while, yeah, you want to upgrade, you want to be better going into 2025 or 2024, um, Julian should get better. Lewis should get better. Walner should get better, right? You have all these young guys that should improve. Uh, Joe Ryan probably isn't going to give up home runs at a historic rate anymore, I would hope. Um, you know, I, I think. A quick side note on Joe Ryan, which is I think everybody's a little bit lower on him than they should be. Uh, I think he's a lot closer to being a number two starter pitcher, starting pitcher than a number three, and that injury really slowed him down. And so um, having him as your second playoff starter, I think is a pretty good situation. But. Yeah, I I am fully in on Joe Ryan, more than probably I should be. But that being said, though, he did play through a groin injury through most of the season. Uh, well, the important part of the season, I guess I should say. Yeah. Um, there is some there is some worry there with the fact that he didn't really come back to form after he got back from uh, the the uh, injured list. So yes, there's a little risk in his makeup, but we saw what he looked like as a really good pitcher for what half the season, right? Yeah, up until the Atlanta start. Um, well, and and even just looking at like how he was in 2022, mm-hmm. right? Uh, he he had never been that bad until that injury. And so he he's never been like great at limiting home runs. He's a fly ball pitcher, mm-hmm. but never giving him up at that rate. Yeah, and also, you know, just classic uh he went to drive line, but Joe Ryan's if he can get that slider nailed down or that splitter nailed down, like he'll be legit. He still he had 196 strikeouts with one pitch. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's pretty freaking good man yeah that's that's not bad <laughs> all right um let, let's get into our uh next order of business here which is the non-tenders we already talked about how kyle farmer got tendered a contract uh nick gordon also did the two that didn't were uh giovanni moran and ronnie henriquez moran apparently needs Todd, tommy john surgery which as far as i know was the first time that had been reported when the twins put out the news um but of course he I still think has very good stuff, but he just really has problems with walks uh, like we saw last year where if he's keeping the ball in the strike zone, there were times last year where he was maybe the Twins' second best reliever, but when he's not, uh, just guys don't swing. They get on base. The final straw for him was that uh, game against the Diamondbacks where uh, the Twins were up 12-1. They brought him in to finish out the blowout, and he just walked the first three batters. I remember that one because I was at that game, one of the few I was at. So uh, that was exciting. But like in that situation where your only job is to come in and throw strikes and end the game, he couldn't do a single thing. And so um, that that was 
not entirely surprising to see him taken off the roster, especially especially since he's going to miss off next year anyway. Uh, and then Ronnie Henriquez, he came over in, as part of the Mitch Garver trade, uh, along with Isaiah Kiner Falefa, the Minnesota Twins legend, and he uh, was kind of young, raw, but had some promising stuff. Uh, had very good strikeout rates and really limited walks uh, in his minor league career until last year when his uh, walk rate over doubled and his strikeout rate pretty much cut in half. And so combine those two things and he pretty much had a disaster of a year. His seasons got started more slowly because of an elbow injury. And so I think the twins are hoping that, um, you know, it was more of the injury than anything else, but same thing where I think they mostly think I mostly think they cut these guys because they think they can get them back on minor league deals as Dan Hayes reported when the moves happened. Yep. Yep. Nothing to add there. Yeah. The, uh, I think Gordon was maybe a little bit more surprising than Farmer, him being tendered a contract, but with the twins in need of outfield depth, as, as we said before, Gordon's not a great defensive outfielder, but you can put him out there and he can play decently well and everybody really likes him. So. Yeah. And I mean, at the end of the day, his contract was, or he hasn't technically signed their arbitration contract yet, but the the prediction is like somewhere around a million. So yeah, more or less much. like a drop in the bucket. Yeah. And frankly, he hasn't been good enough that if he doesn't make the team out of spring training, basically I think the twins could sneak him through waivers, even though he's out of options if they wanted to send him down to St. Paul. Yeah. Um, okay. Awards. The twins didn't win any awards, but Sonny Gray finished second in Cy Young. Somewhat surprisingly, uh, a very clear second, well ahead of Kevin Gossman, which I don't understand, but I guess you look at ERA and you look at FIP and you don't actually watch any Twins games or any Sunny Gray starts and say, yeah, this guy's the second best pitcher in the AL. I don't know. Pablo Lopez was seventh in this one, and that was like probably, in my opinion, five spots too low. But Yeah. I, I mean, frankly, again, the, the numbers aren't always there, but this is where I think the eye test still is very valuable, right? Mm-hmm. Where Sunny Gray was very, very good. Don't get me wrong. And I would love to bring Sunny Gray back next year. He does not deserve to finish second in AL Cy Young voting. No. I mean, was he like a really solid piece for the Twins last year? Yes. But let's be honest, uh, when it came down to game one of the playoffs, who did the They Twins, went with Pablo Lopez. They went with Pablo Lopez. Yeah. So, you know, there's, there's clearly my, more talent there. And, I mean, the one thing I don't love about how the they do baseball awards for this is that uh, it's one award or one vote per team per like the BBWA yeah. chapter that covers it. Right. Which is like, okay, I get it. Right. Like you, maybe you don't want to flood the the system with too many votes, but I think if there's that many accredited voters, like in my opinion, you should just have all of them vote and make this more, more reflective of like what the local media is understanding about it. Um, and have that be a little bit of a, a part of the vote. Granted, of course, not every single team has the same number of voters. So, you know, take it what you will. Maybe each, maybe each like region, you get like four votes or three votes or something right. like that. Um, but it at least would help kind of, you know, make make this a little bit more interesting rather yeah. than like, oh, yeah, 30 people all voted for Garrett Cole. And yeah, yeah we, we all knew that was happening. <laughs> Well, and like, here's the thing is Garrett Cole was good. I don't think this was anywhere close to, you know, one of his best seasons, maybe no. not even in his top three, but it's just the, the field was a little weaker this year with, yeah. you know, the slew of injuries that happened. Yeah. I mean, I, there was same thing in the NL with Snell, frankly. Yeah. There's no part of me that would have said that Paulo Lopez, Sonny Gray, or Kevin Gosman deserved to win the award more than Garrett Cole. Like Garrett Cole was clearly going right. to win the AL Cy Young. Um, but it would have been nice to just see a little bit more diversity and thought there um, instead of just like, um, 
yeah, like I think it was like Sonny Gray got like 24 second place votes or something like that. And it's like, well, that's nice. It's like, it would have been nice to have a little bit more diversity in, in that and maybe have Pablo get some votes there or, you know, something like that. I don't know. I'm yeah, just rambling the, at this uh, point. I mean, for context, right? So Aaron Gleeman of The Athletic, he had a vote for AL MVP, not Cy Young this year. Okay. But uh, let's see. Sonny Gray finished 18th in MVP. He got a few down, but doubt down ballot votes. Aaron Gleeman of the, uh, you know, Minnesota twins did not vote for him. Uh, Dave Campbell of the associated press who I've never heard of before, but according to this is part of the Minnesota chapter of BBWA also didn't vote for Sonny Gray. Right. And so if neither of them are putting them on their MVP ballots, I think it's safe to assume you would put them a little bit further down, uh, on the, uh, Cy Young ballots too. And so that's where I think like I don't know. You got to take a little bit more into account the actual games. I get it's a lot harder with baseball than like football or basketball where you could very well go crunch the tape on whoever you're voting for, for those awards. The season is so long. You can't really do that, but I don't know, just kind of a weird year in general. I feel like for awards where everybody pretty much knew who was going to win all of these. Yeah. And if it sounds like we're piling on Sonny Gray, we're not, I mean like he was, I want the, him back. <laughs> yeah. He was the twins MVP, like as voted by the local chapter and he deserved that. Uh, and he deserved that. Yeah. Like in my opinion, was Pablo Lopez, maybe the better pitcher overall. Yes. But Pablo Lopez did have more blowups than Sonny Gray did. So yeah. in, in that sense, like, yeah, okay. I, I get why Sonny Gray, is the MVP. He was a very steady force for the twins this season and was a big reason why we were able to win the AL Central and was a big reason why we won a couple playoff games. So um yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not complaining at all about Sonny Gray being this, you know, finishing second in the Cy Young or, you know, finishing as the twins MVP. Uh, but it <laughs> it's I mean, selfishly, it has inflated his value just a little bit, which is kind of annoying. Yeah, right. Um, and if you want to hear us complain more about the BBWAA uh, voting process, check in later this winter when we talk about Joe Maurer. So, <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, some other. Uh, Let's not manifest that. Please. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, some other award finishes here. Uh, Edward Julian finished seventh for Rookie of the Year. Rocco Baldelli finished fourth for Manager of the Year. So guess what, Twins fans, he's good. And uh, yeah, Sonny Gray, I already mentioned this, he finished 18th in MVP and Pablo Lopez seventh in Cy Young. So yeah, anyway, the last note, I think I would agree with you on the Pablo Lopez front, which is if him and Sonny were flipped, I think just personally, that'd probably make more sense. Because like we were saying, Pablo Lopez started game one in the playoffs and it wasn't like game one because, oh, Sonny Gray was used before while we were clinching the division. The Twins had the division locked up for three weeks. Mm -hmm. They could have set it up however they want and they set up specifically that way. So, you know, anyway, let's move on. Uh, Some news from around the league. Uh, The first big uh, free agent acquisition, but really just a retention, was Aaron Nola of the Phillies went back to Philadelphia for seven years and $172 million. Uh, reports earlier uh, last year were that he was looking for somewhere close to $200 million, uh, but a little bit of a down year, I think, tampered his market a bit, and or tampered down his market a bit, and then he reportedly also accepted a little bit less money to stick with Philadelphia instead of going elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, Nola to me is like one of the you know really talented pitchers in the last few years. The problem with him is, you know, consistency. That's always been yeah. his big issue. Um, and yeah, I, I think this is an interesting deal because he basically signed for a little less than $25 million, um a year. Which is not very much for which, a player like him. Yeah, it, it isn't very much. Um, and that being said, though, um, I think he's, what, 29 maybe? He's 30 right now. He's 30 right now. Okay. So he'll be 37 when he finishes this contract up, which is very interesting. Because Sonny Gray, assuming he signs like a three-year contract, will be you know finishing basically at the same age that Nola is. So 
This yeah. this is very interesting in terms of setting the market for what a starting pitcher is going to be because I think a lot of people, I think myself included, would probably put Aaron Nola above Sonny Gray in terms of uh, his signability. Partially, that's because he's four years younger. But um, but if he's getting you know twenty five million a year, it would be insane in my head if somehow Sonny Gray got more than that in a annual average. Yeah, I, I think with Sonny Gray, I, I wrote about this two, three weeks ago for the site um, where I kind of laid out like, hey, here's a creative way maybe the Twins could retain Sonny Gray, right? Mm-hmm. Where essentially I laid out a deal that was something like three years, $75 million, but it was like super front-weighted where it's like, okay, they're going to send out Vasquez or Polanco and they're going to pay him like $30 million in year one. They're going to pay him $20 million in year two, and there's going to be a $20 million option on year three with a $10 million buyout, right? So um, basically with the idea being, I think what matters more in baseball than the AAV is the just actual total dollar amount. Mm-hmm. And so you see this all the time with like uh, – you know, guys signing 14 years deals like Trey Turner, right? There's no way Trey Turner is going to play till the end of that deal, but he gets the guaranteed money that he wants to get. And probably uh, the Phillies will cut him with, you know, five, six years left on that deal. And, you know, like Miguel Cabrera stuck out to the bitter end of his, but he's kind of the exception where, you know, Albert Pujols got cut early, uh, Robinson Cano, another guy that got let go early, you know, those long deals aren't necessarily meant to keep the guy on your team that long. If they are great, if they're effective, awesome. But more often than not, it's just to spread out the AAV to get it lower uh, for luxury tax purposes for teams like the Phillies that are going to be approaching those thresholds. Yeah. And the twins are uh, never going to be in risk right. of uh, paying the luxury tax. So Right. And so that's the thing is uh, you got to think about that with the twins then as well of like, it's not for them necessarily getting close to the luxury tax, but it's managing the actual cash that you're spending year to year. And so that's why you get some of the you know weird structures like Carlos Correa, where it's like, Hey, we're going to start up here and then we're going to decline. Right. Because would you still like to have 35 year old Carlos Correa? Uh, Maybe he's probably still a useful player, but you don't want to be paying him $33 million. So instead, you're going to pay him $38 million in year three, I think is what he's making. And then by the time there, you get to where he's older. If he's still with the Twins on that option, it's like $15 million, right? So you can kind of finagle it that way uh, financially, which is what the Twins are more going to be looking to do. Mm-hmm. And so rather than the AAV, that's kind of the number I would look at for Sonny Gray is, you know, is – is he going to get closer to 70 million or is he going to get closer to 90 million? And then whatever team signs him, what the length is will depend on what they're trying to do to, you know, finagle their uh, cash that they're spending and their luxury tax. Yeah. Maybe the twins get weird and they actually load the second year of the contract so that their payroll is lower this year. Right. Uh, yeah. I made that assumption before the payroll news came out also. Mm-hmm. So uh, <laughs> that's an important caveat where I don't think they'll be giving 35 million to uh sunny gray for one year. Yeah. But uh, back before, I thought it was going to be more like 150. It was a little bit more of a realistic option. Um, but yeah, again, that that's kind of the thing to look at of the total dollar amount, which uh, direction we're going to be more leaning, and then how's it going to be spread out? Mm-hmm. Um, because in case we didn't say this before, luxury tax, uh, how that's calculated is just the AAV, regardless of what the actual cash you're giving to a player year to year. Just yep. makes it simpler, I think, for uh, monitoring purposes. All right, around the division, real quick, we'll go through these quickly. Uh, the Tigers, they traded for Mark Kana, basically gave up a low-level prospect. It was essentially a salary dump by the Brewers to get off his $11 million option. Uh, and that's mostly interesting to me because it makes it look like the Tigers are going to try to be good next year, uh, which given where they are, I think is a good move. They got some good performances from guys like Kerry Carpenter and Riley Green. Uh, some of those young pitchers that have been hurt are finally going to be healthy. I think they're in a good spot to uh, you know, maybe push the Twins a little bit if they can make the right uh, decisions. 
Yeah, Canna is just a little bit weird though because I mean he's an outfielder first baseman, but um, he, but uh, because the the Tigers have Spencer Torkelson, they already have first base taken care of. I guess he could slot in as a corner outfielder because they did non-tender Austin Meadows. Yeah, I think so, the plan is to put him in uh, left, have Riley Green in right, and uh, get an outside center fielder and carry Carpenter's or DH is what I've seen. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this obviously doesn't move the needle too much for me. It's not like yeah. Canna's like that good of a player. but No, no, I'm with you. But it's just like p- picking up $11 million for a guy like Canna who's yeah. totally fine, league average, right? I think that kind of signals a little bit where the Tigers are leaning. Yeah, at least they're trying, but we also tried with Javi Baez and we saw how that went, so um, – I'm not. I'm not knocking the move for the Tigers. Like this could this could turn out pretty decent. Getting a veteran presence there would be really good. Um, but uh, at least it's nice to see someone trying in the division. I guess. Yeah, they uh, also non-tendered Austin Meadows, like you said before, which is just a horrendous trade for the Tigers. They sent out uh, Isak Paredes, who's yeah. turned into a very good third baseman for the Rays. Of course, the Meadows situation. He's missed a lot of time because of mental health issues, and mm-hmm. so. Nobody really could have seen that coming. That's not necessarily like bad process by the Tigers, just some bad luck. Uh, Meadows, you know, if he can, you know, get his brain right, get on the field, I still think he can be a productive hitter. But obviously there's a lot in the air with that. And then they also uh, non-tendered Spencer Turnbull, who uh, started out very good, got Tommy Johns, and then was not very good last year. I think he's an interesting buy-low candidate for a team like the Twins that, you know, maybe just wants to have a little bit of – rotation competition for Louis Varland. Um, you know, kind of the bottom of the barrel looking at a guy like that. If you uh if the bigger planes we want to talk about doesn't work out. And um, just remember Stencer Turnbull did throw a no hitter. That's true. Forgot about that. That was twenty twenty one, I think. Yeah, something like that. A bit. The, the year that everyone was throwing no hitters. Yeah. Yeah. Uh in Guardians news, they made a weird move, which was they traded for Scott, Scott Barlow, sending out Aniel De Los Santos. Weird because Scott, Scott Barlow, whose name apparently I can't say, is expensive for a reliever. He's projected to make around $7 million this year, which for the Guardians is you know a fortune. Uh, and Aniel De Los Santos has more team control and might have been better anyway. So I don't know. Weird move by the Guardians that is very atypical for what they usually do. Yeah, they already have a closer. So it wasn't like they needed the help. Like no. Barlow, I guess, like, uh, I mean, he closed for Kansas City. He wasn't very good last year also. No. Yeah. he. I mean, he when he got traded to, he got traded to Texas, right? Uh, no, he went to, oh, the Padres. he was on Texas. He went to KC and then I think he went to the Padres. Yeah, that's right. Um, With the Padres, like, I think he did take over for a little bit for Jader when he Hader was looking a little off. But yeah, yeah he's kind of tailed off a little bit. And yet this that much money for basically a guy who's going to be your setup man, right? There's no way that that Marlowe's going to be closing for the guardians is kind of funny for basically like a, you know, quote unquote poverty franchise like the guardians. I know. I, I wonder if maybe they're good. They feel like they can flip him for better value than they could with Dale Santos. And that's why they took him. Right. Um, could be something like that because also his kind of like good, good stuff. Very wild is very, uh, redundant when you have James Karen on your roster already. Yeah. Uh, and you ha- so you have Karen you have Trevor Steffen, who's very, very good. Uh, they have a, you know, Emmanuel Classe, obviously, who's one of the better closers, despite his uh, blow ups last year, they have a pretty good bullpen. And so it wasn't really a need. And now they're paying a lot of money when they have other holes, but very mm-hmm. weird. Uh, they also, uh, the DFA'd Cal Quantrill earlier in the uh, week, and then they ended up trading him to Colorado, where he is going to do terrible because he is a pitcher that has horrible stuff, and famously, uh, pitcher stuff looks even worse in Colorado. So I, I don't know what the Rockies are doing, but I guess good for the Guardians for getting something back. 
I believe he's a contact pitcher, which is kind of hilarious for anyone who's going to Colorado. Right. Uh, but I guess his contact is like grounders, so maybe that's what they're going for. But it's still kind of a funny trade. Very weird. Anyway, the Royals traded out uh, Jackson Cower for Kyle Wright. Jackson Cower, kind of a former top prospect, who's moved to the bullpen. Apparently, the Braves see something they like in him. They get back Kyle Wright, who's going to miss all of next year, recovering from shoulder, shoulder surgery, but then they have him for two years after that. I guess they think he can be good. I don't think Kyle Wright is very good. So uh, he, He's shown some life, but the injury doesn't help. Um, like yeah. He's basically like elite stuff, but it, you know he's just never pitching. <laughs> yeah. And then one other uh, AL Central team made a move with the Braves, which was the White Sox, which made probably the funnest trade of the year so far, which is they sent out Aaron Bummer, who had terrible stats, but great peripherals. And so I'm sure he'll be great for the Braves. But they got back uh, Mike Soroka, Nicky Lopez, and then – three other kind of surrounding type of guys. Nicky Lopez is probably more of a throw in, but really the main trade there is bummer for Soroka. Soroka finished second in uh rookie of the year voting, I believe in 2021 when he was mm-hmm. with the Braves and has pretty much been hurt ever since then. But since he's been on the major league injured list, since he was on the major league team when he got hurt, um, he only has uh, one year of team control. So after this year, he's a free agent despite pitching in like 40 total games in his career as a starter. Yeah, he, he reminds me, Soroka reminds me a lot about Matthew Boyd. Like, it's very mm-hmm. similar, mm-hmm. you know, like elite pitcher their first year and then just got injured and never came back. Um, Soroka was fun because I think last year I picked him up on my fantasy team and tried to stash him for like four months and then realized, oh, that's right. This is just not going to work. And <laughs> just dropped yeah. him. Yeah, he, he tore his Achilles twice. Once was, I think he was just like walking down the stairs and then finally he was coming back and then in spring training it blew up again while he was trying to make his way back. Yep. And then last year he finally did after two full years off and uh was shut down with forearm tightness and so you know that typically leads to something like tommy john surgery so i don't know if he's actually even going to ever pitch for the white Sox, but this is the type of move that i think makes a lot of sense where you get soroka uh nicky lopez whatever he's a non-tender throw-in essentially um and then three other younger guys who maybe you can turn into something but the white Sox pretty much have said that they're open for business they're open to trading anyone they've had uh conversations about uh aloy jimenez they've had conversations about dylan cease uh we'll see with luis robert he would probably be the one that they would hang on to if anyone but chris gets come in and pretty much been like hey this isn't working we know this isn't working we need to blow it up for selfish reasons as hoping they wouldn't because i want them to continue to be bad but you know <laughs> for the white Sox, this is probably the right move yeah uh and then shout out to the atlanta fire sale even though they're so good so they're just getting rid of their injured guys which you know is kind of a genius thing for a team that's sort of trying to compete yeah. And I mean, getting five players and five like major league caliber players, who knows how good they're going to be or how much they're going to play. But for a reliever, mm-hmm. I mean, that's pretty good. Yeah, all things considered. Uh, you need guys to uh, hold down the fort while you're bad. So <laughs> let's get into our final note here, which is going to be our free agent starting pitchers. So we've both compiled lists of five to potentially a few more guys in case we have overlap. But we have our lists of guys that we think the Twins should target realistically or like we were talking about on the top. And so um, no Shohei Otani, who's not going to pitch anyway, obviously would love to have him, but he's not going to be coming here. So, uh, John, let's start with you. Who's the first guy that you have on your list? Yeah. So the way I was thinking about this was basically what the Twins are going to look for is a guy who's either going to compete with Louis Varland or is going to fill in Sonny Gray's role as a number two starter, right? That's kind of the two guys that two archetypes of pitchers that they're going to look at. So I was looking at, all right, what are the, the... the SP fives essentially, right? Who are, who are the the guys that compete with Varland? So here's my list. Um, this is in no way exhaustive. These are just guys that I thought names were interesting and, and maybe have a chance here. 
Uh, Kenta Maeda, bringing him back. I think that could be something that, that happens here. Um, Seth Lugo, who pitched for the Padres last year, he's okay. kind of been a career reliever, but then I uh, went to the Padres, finally got to start a little bit and um, looked okay. Not great, but, you know, had some had some life. Um, Alex Wood, who is with the Giants, um, he's got he's just a really solid guy, but solid, like low quality guy. Um, mm-hmm. He's never going to be truly elite, but he is a good end of the rotation sort of person if you want to compete with Louis Varlin. Um, Kyle Gibson, I thought it would just be fun to throw him in there. Uh, he is 36 years old. He is, yeah, he's not totally a, fine. He's totally fine. Yeah, he he was technically the opening day starter for the Baltimore Orioles. So, you know, maybe that works. And yeah. then um, I thought a fun throw in here would be James Paxson, who, oh, uh, yeah. for most Twins fans, just remember him as the guy who was attacked by the Eagle on opening day. <laughs> um, yep. But he actually got back from injury last year and pitched like some pretty solid innings for Boston. Yeah. Um, he had some really good games, actually. So he's one of those intriguing, like he's coming off injury. He looked good for like 10, 15 games. Um, it, does he have the potential to become like even an SP4, SP3? Uh, maybe. Uh, again, this is me with Chris Paddock not believing in, in his starting stuff, but we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to that point later. Um, but those are my five guys who I think have a shot that the Twins actually might realistically go at. If I'm looking at like maybe a little <clears> bit <throat> over the moon, a little bit of like, hey, maybe we trade Polanco or maybe we trade Kyle Farber, right. we open up a little bit more space in the payroll, uh, then I'm probably looking at, uh, I hate to say this, but Lucas Giulio um, or re-signing Sonny Gray. There, there's no. I, I would happily take Lucas Giolito and see if you could fix him. There's no situation where I'm giving him more than one year, though. Like yeah. I, I've seen a lot of like, oh, he's going to get two or three years for like sixty million. I'm like, there's no way I would give Lucas Giolito that. Yeah, I, he feels like maybe like a honestly like a one year twenty. You know, kind of like yeah. It, he he's a guy who you who probably would have gotten the qualifying offer if um if he had had a good year, uh, but he didn't. And, yeah, uh, and a guy who probably would have accepted it if he got offered it. Right. Yeah. Because uh, I mean, there's been some really elite Lucas Giolito years, but it has not been that the last couple for him. Yeah. No, I, I think that's a pretty good list. You know, I think with all those guys, you're looking at uh, one, maybe two years in the eight to $10 million range, most exactly. likely, yep. which pretty much fits right in with the twins are at, right? That you could pretty much make that move without having to do anything else on the roster, bring those guys in. That's it. Right. Yep. Um, try to fill other holes elsewhere. And so I, I really like that list. I think uh, in that same vein, uh, another guy I would include there would be Luis Severino, um, <laughs> who was very, very bad, like one of the worst starters in baseball for the Yankees last year, but had never been anything like that. And by all accounts, his stuff still was pretty good. Mm-hmm. And so he, he's a guy I'd love to get in on a one-year deal and see if you can fix him right. And then probably he leaves somewhere else anyway. But he, he has a history of being one of the better starters in baseball. Mm-hmm. He's been hurt the last three or four years, but if he can be healthy and the twins can help him out a little bit, I, I think that could be a good addition. Yeah. The injury risk is real with Severino and that's why I didn't really put him on this list. Another yeah. guy that I would have loved to put on this list, but I didn't feel good about was Brandon Woodruff, who was just, right, let's talk about him for a minute. Yeah. So he was just non-tender by the brewers. He was clearly their second best pitcher for the longest time, but last season he was dealing with Reynolds syndrome was basically kind of, you just lose feeling in your, in your arm. And then he's going to be basically out for the 2024 season. Uh, right. because of injury as well. I don't know specifically what injury, but I just know he's out. Um, so he's kind of in a weird situation where the Brewers were like, eh, you know, we'll, we'll pass on re-signing uh, Woodruff. And then he had a, he ends up getting non-tethered. He's only he's going to turn 31 next year. Yeah. So he's a relatively young pitcher. 
um, in terms of, you know, this free agent market. Uh, but, and at the same time, like we know, like he's, he's got some incredibly nasty stuff, but he's also not going to play in 2024. Yeah. So he, he was in his last year of team control for the Brewers, which is why they non-tendered him because basically they would have had to pay him $11 million to not pitch, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if they, if they would have kept him. And so it's understandable why they would have let, let him go, but this is the type of pitcher that, you know, never gets non-tendered. He's a legitimate Cy Young, excuse me, Cy Young caliber caliber picture when yeah. he's going well. when he's on and he's so, a top 10 pitcher like there's no argument yeah. to that i mean he was this year while he was pitching he didn't pitch much but yeah. um he, you know he's right up there with burns which is what have made those brewers teams so good for the last five six years mm-hmm. and um yeah so so woodruff is a guy that is very interesting to me i kind of avoided the others in that category of the guys who are mostly rehabbing this year and they mm-hmm. sign them to a two-year deal so that they can pitch the next year you know the michael pinedo with the twins back in 2018 yep. essentially uh because with the payroll being limited, what money we're spending, I would like to go towards players that are going to contribute to the 2024 uh, team. The only exception I would make would be for Brandon Woodruff because those are the type of players the Twins just cannot get. The problem here is going to be, I would imagine, before the Brewers non-tendered him, they probably offered something similar to what the Twins would do, which is like, hey, let's give you two years, $30 million. We'll pay you $5 million this year. We'll pay you $25 next year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, kind of similar to what the Rays did with uh, Tyler Glass now last year uh, when they re-signed him in his last year of um, arbitration. And so you do something like that. Uh, I think the, Brewer, the Brewers would have jumped at that because you can keep him, you can trade him, you can do whatever. Uh, again, but I would assume the reason they non-tendered him is because Woodruff said no to that. And if Woodruff said no to that with the Brewers, why would he say yes to that with the Twins? Mm-hmm. Or frankly, why would he say yes to that to any team? And so maybe you really have to overpay to get him in, uh, still give him like $10 million in the first year, essentially. Um, even that, though, I still might seriously consider it for a guy of Woodruff's cal- caliber. But again, um, the Twins aren't going to be the only team trying to get him on this deal. The Every single team in the league would offer Brandon Woodruff this exact deal and try to get him in. Yeah, I'm like I'm just like running through numbers in my head. And I'm even wondering if it's like you're thinking of like a. What, like a four for 90 or it's it's so weird because if you think about it, right, the, basically he by not being signed by the the Brewers this season, he's basically giving up, like you said, 10 or 11 million, right? right? So I think you have to factor that into any contract you give him. And let's just say he gets like an Aaron, Aaron Nola type of contract. Are you really giving this guy seven years, 165? Right. And and especially with, uh, it's a shoulder injury that's keeping him out next year. Yeah. That's really the kind of danger zone for pitchers, right? Where it's like Tommy Johns, it, it's common enough now that there's a pretty strong track record of guys coming back. So you don't really have an issue with mm-hmm. signing a guy uh, with that injury. Shoulders are very hit and miss. And so, you know, I, I don't think there's almost any team that would probably give him more than two years, you know, the rehab year, and then let's see what you got here. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it, it's possible he just wants to sit out this year and rehab and still cash in on a big deal next year because he can come in, he can throw, and he can show teams, hey, I'm healthy here at my medicals, still give me, um, you know, the 7170 or whatever that Nola got mm-hmm. and, you know, just just be happy. And so I think uh, I have absolutely no information supporting this. But again, if the Brewers weren't able to get him to come back on a similar kind of buy low and then pay a lot in the second year mm-hmm. type of deal, I, I don't know why he would do that with another team unless the Brewers didn't offer that. Yeah. But I don't know why they wouldn't. Yeah. To me, I mean, I'm just, 
I would lo- it'd be interesting to see if, like if the twins offered three for 60, right? Where right. it's like, hey, we're going to pay you 10 for year one and then 25 for year, right. year two and year three. You get to enter free agency again as a 33-year-old if you do really well in the last two years. Or, I mean, that obviously helps you a lot um, instead of like you only get one year with a team. But I don't, I don't know. With something like injury, I feel like he's probably going to – he would rather have something with a bit more – term to it but i don't see a team offering him like a four-year contract so right yeah it's definitely an interesting situation and one that you know we really haven't seen before in the open market for a guy who's this good but there's so much question about Mm -hmm. how he's going to look after the shoulder injury yeah um so a a couple other guys i want to throw in here let's uh throw one in you know maybe a tier lower than what you were talking about yeah um, but Eric Fetty, who oh, is a former top prospect with the Nationals, uh, listen, hear, hear me out. Yeah, uh, He was very, very good in KBO last year. I, I think know. I have his uh, numbers pulled up. Give me one second. But um, I, I, He dominated the KBO last year. He dominated the KBO, which is not nothing, right? It, it's the second best professional league in the world, probably. Uh, uh, third best third best yeah okay i mean it's it's behind japan in my opinion yeah uh anyway but last year uh in the kbo he threw 180 innings he struck out 209 batters he had a 2.00 era 2.3 runs allowed per nine um 0.95 whip he struck out 10 guys per nine uh only walked 1.7 the walks i think are the biggest thing in his favor where um when he pitched in uh the majors he had a little bit of a higher walk rate and just with not that great of stuff. Uh, obviously that doesn't uh, play that well. Again, this is not my first choice, but if you're just looking at a guy who it's like, listen, uh, we want to start Louis Varland in triple a, or we want to move him to the bullpen. Eh, he's uh-huh. not terrible as a, you know, you give him two years, 9 million as a, you know, fifth starter. Uh, I think you could do a lot worse with some of the other options on the market. Yeah. I mean, that all being said though, Chris Paddock is on my, naughty list because he had a era over five for one season um eric fede in the majors has had four seasons where he's had an era over five granted one of those uh seasons was only 15 innings pitched um but uh his last two seasons in the major leagues were, were both eras over uh five so um i'm a hard pass on eric fede but uh i i love the enthusiasm <laughs> Listen, for, for two years, nine million, just whatever. It's uh, nothing, right? Yeah. We're, we're paying Randy Dobnak like $4 million next year. He's I know. not going to pitch. It was, so. It's hilarious. I was looking at Spotrack and just like, uh, who are the, who are the pitchers that the Twins have contracts to? It's like Randy Dobnak. It's like, yep. this guy's like never going to be on the major league roster and we're paying him nope. $2 million. I mean, he's not a terrible guy for like an emergency start here and there if he catches some weird fire. Anyway, we, let's not spend any more time on Dobnak. But, they should make him um, a reliever. But, okay. Like I said, a, a tier below those guys you were talking about, I think there's some like in that same tier that I would stay completely away from. Like Jack Flaherty, I would not touch with a 10 Completely, yeah. He has, he has no stuff. I don't know what's happened, but he's just got nothing left. Yeah, know? and I don't like his attitude towards playing baseball. Either. Yeah, right. It, it, it's, it's, yeah, not anything that I want to be a part of uh so just a guy would stay away from giolito same thing um at at a two-year contract if it's a one-year 15 million sure why not Mm -hmm. but two two years absolutely not and then kenta maeda i've seen some contract predictions for kenta maeda that are two or three-year deals i would not give maeda more than a year if he wants to come back on a one-year 10 million by all means let's bring him back but mlb trade rumors had him at 226 and he just I, i i don't know that that seems like a lot for a guy who throws 90 miles an hour yeah, I mean, I would I would be interested to see if the Twins were like, "Hey, we'll give you to like 20. Like right. for me, that that's that's interesting enough. That'd be like, 
I, I would be okay with that, that sort of offer. Um, but yeah, two twenty six. I mean, yeah, it's only six million more dollars. But at the end of the day, when you when you're when you only have around, let's you know, a minimum of five of a million of right. space to work with, like they're going to be pinching pennies just a little bit here. Yeah, and we'll, and we'll talk about hitters probably in our next episode. But uh, that that's kind of the other thing too is you do still have some holes to fill, especially you know in the outfield. So. Yeah. Um, a couple other guys I want to mention here, and then we'll wrap up and get back to Sunday Night Football. Um, Eduardo Rodriguez, the uh, Tigers starter, uh, his contract prediction from MLB Trade Rumors is four for 92. He is younger than Sonny Gray, but kind of in that same Sonny Gray uh, number for uh, the contract where uh, Sonny will probably get around that same amount. And so, you know, you're betting a little bit on him aging better, uh, but then there's the risk with him of injury. He's missed some time with some, you know, pretty serious health issues with uh, his heart in the past with myocarditis as a result of COVID. Uh, and so that's a little bit of a scare off. And then of course he's had uh, some family situations that have had to keep him away from the team at times. And, uh, you know, he refused to trade to the Dodgers earlier this year because he didn't want to be moved away from his family, which fair, right? Like I would also not like to be moved away from my family for six months for a job. Um, but you know, th- there's just that part of thing you have to factor in. It's just the human element of Eduardo Rodriguez, maybe a little bit more than other players. Yeah. It- there's Which just, is why it's only four for 92. Yeah. There's a lot of variables that come with him. Obviously he's, he's got good stuff. Um, but yeah, there's a little bit more of the human element. And if that's something that the twins are happy to, you know, deal with and, and right. negotiate them with. Yeah. then, you know, that, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it is a lot of money that you're giving to a guy where let's just, let's just be honest. The, the injury risk is real. Like he was yep. out for an entire season, I think when he was in Boston. Um, uh, yeah. So, so yeah, like the, the track record there isn't exactly the yeah. best. But again, when you're the twins and you're looking for, you know, that potential ace upside, that's kind of the market that you're shopping in, right? And so yeah. my note that I wrote here is literally mid-tier money with ace upside. And mm-hmm. that's kind of like the ideal situation for the twins if he wants to come here. Because I know uh, because of his family situation, he's going to be very specific about the geographics more than maybe other pitchers will. Right, yeah. Um, Luis Severino, I already talked about him a bit, but I just wrote uh, in the note, I can fix him. I can. I can do it. Um, <laughs> if only. And then let's see. Who else do I have here? Uh, two more. Marcus Stroman, who yeah. is projected for two for 44 from MLB Trade Rumors. I think that just years-wise might be a little bit low for what Stroman will get. Maybe something more like three for 60. But either way, I think at either of those, I would probably jump at the chance to get him. Where Kind of the same thing, where he has the upside. He's not a strikeout guy. He's a ground ball pitcher. But mm-hmm. the Twins have a pretty good infield defense. And he, I, I think he could fit well here. They've flirted with him in the past. So maybe it's finally time to bring him over. Yeah. I mean, for to me, like Stroman's just a guy who's like one year younger than than Sonny Gray. And I think like to me, I'd pay up more for Sonny Gray than than Sine Stroman. So Yeah, and that's kind of the calculus the twins have to make, right? Of, yeah. do you want to pay for a little bit more upfront for Stroman, or do you want to pay for, you know, 36, 37, 38 year old Sonny Gray potentially? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and then the last one I want to mention here is Blake Snell, who just won NL Cy Young, won his second Cy Young, uh, one of the only pitchers in baseball history to win a Cy Young in both leagues. Uh, however, he's not going to get typical two-time Cy Young winner because uh, Cy Young winner money because I think baseball teams are smart. And I don't think anybody's going to look at his performance last year and despite the Cy Young win, going to just throw tons of cash at him because – I mean, even the trade um, from the Rays to the Padres, the Padres didn't give up a ton to get Snell. I, I think he's pretty fairly valued around the league. And then 
it's not going to be the Padres, but maybe a team like the Padres that is just desperate and wants to get in a name brand guy uh, could happen. But say you get Snell at something like six for 120, maybe. I don't know. I'd, it'd be incredible if he went for that low. Um, I think he's going to. I think he's going to be closer to twenty five million a year rather than twenty million a year. I just th- I have absolutely no information supporting this, but I just see all this other stuff about oh, this guy's li- linked to this team. This guy's linked to this team. Yeah. Nobody's talking about Snell at all because again, when it looks bad, it looks like some of the worst pitching in the league. When it looks good, he has an ERA close to two and wins a Cy Young, right? <laughs> and so he's going to walk a ton of guys. The run limiting probably isn't sustainable and because of that i think he's not going to get you know the seven for 200 that mlb trade rumors hasn't predicted as yeah i don't think he's getting that kind of money um but like yeah i i don't know it's just the whole cy young thing right like that's just it's yeah. it's annoying like it, was he the best pitcher in the nl I guess. probably like I, I think it was probably strider but i get when you have an era well, yeah. i don't know if it's above four but it's close to four you probably can't give it to him right yeah when when snell's area is 2.25 it's right it's pretty incredible um but yeah it's it's just dumb because this guy walked five his his walk per nine was basically five yeah which is no, it, it's insane. insane yeah like that like you really need to have a good infield defense which thankfully the padres had um, to be able to deal with that kind of you know, with just that many free runners on base, and uh, I mean the Twins do have a really solid infield defense, but it, I'm just imagining like uh, Edward Julian at second, there's and Blake Snell gives a free pass to a guy, someone's on first, and then just a grounder goes through. Julian's just not able to get to it. All of a sudden, you have a man on second, you have a man on third, and oh, it's just ugh. yeah. Um, so. Real quick, let's talk about Blake Snell for another second, then we'll move on because there's no way this is going to happen. But <laughs> what makes Blake Snell good, right, is he walks all his guys, but he also strikes out a ton of guys, and so yeah. it kind of balances out. However, um, so if you're looking at his walks per nine, his five this year is uh, second highest in his career behind his rookie year in 2016 when he walked 5.2 per nine. Mm-hmm. Um, his strikeouts per nine pretty much in line with his career average. However, uh, his two Cy Young years, he his hits per nine were 5.6 in 2018 and 5.8 in 2023 uh, every other year. Starting in 2016, 9.4, 7.9, 8.1, 7.6, 7.1, 7.2, right? And so he, it mostly seems like he got – very lucky uh, with limiting hits compared mm-hmm. to where he's been in the past, right? And I think you know his FIP supports that. His FIP was three point four four, which actually is a the second highest of his career behind twenty seventeen, uh, but you know well well above the two point two five league leading ERA. And so I, I just think because teams are a little bit smarter, Blake Snell is still a very good pitcher, but I don't think he's going to get uh, you know two time Cy Young winner who's only thirty type of money. Yeah, and um, I'd be amazed if the Twins actually get him. Would I be happy about it? Probably. Oh, it depends on the price, probably. But um, yeah, the other thing I'm just going to say is that Strider's XGRA was lower than uh, was lower than Blake Stiles. So yeah. that's all. Well, there you go. All right. Any <laughs> other guys you want to mention here before we uh, we tap out? Um, I mean, it would. I would personally, out of all of these names, if we could get. Sonny Gray back for like three for 75. I think I would 
I'd hesitate a little bit, but I'd probably still do it. Yeah. Um, I just think he's going to go more like four for 90. Reportedly, he's been linked to Atlanta, and I think Atlanta's Mm going to give him that type of money, you know? Yeah. The other name we didn't mention, but I think he's kind of out of the Twins' reach. Actually, maybe not, uh, is Jordan Montgomery. But my problem with Jordan Montgomery is that consistency is not the name of his game. And, uh, and also, he doesn't strike out guys, and I don't want to give big money to somebody who can't strike people out. Yeah, the the funny thing about him though is that his uh, contract might be a little bit lower than all these other guys, and he's probably still in the SP two tier. Um, yeah. So yeah. I wonder. I, I do wonder if the playoff performance is going to inflate it a bit. Yeah, that's um, true. Which is very funny because the thing with him on the Yankees for forever was that he can't pitch in the playoffs, and that's why they traded him away. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think if you're looking at that, I'd rather figure out a way to get Sonny back because Jordan Montgomery is essentially, he's left-handed Sonny, right? He doesn't have great stuff, but, mm. you know, works hard, pitches pitches well, right? Yeah. You know, it's more of that type of thing. He is not the worst guy to take out of all of these. I just didn't put him on my list because it just didn't feel like the Twins would go for him. But, you know, there's a, there's a chance. Uh, a couple other names to mention here. Uh, Shoto Imanaga. Uh, he's projected for five years, 85 million. Uh, he is out of the MPB as well in Japan. Uh, I don't think the Twins are going to sign him, but, you know, kind of that type of guy who, uh, since he's international, you could potentially turn him into something very good mm-hmm. at mid-tier money, kind of like Eduardo Rodriguez, but also just as likely that he does very, very poorly. So um, that's one guy to look at. Uh, you mentioned Seth Lugo already. He's an interesting candidate, I think, if you really think he can stick as a starter. Uh, which I'm a little bit more skeptical on than I think you are. Michael Waka, who's put up some good numbers the last two years after losing things, but uh, he would be relatively affordable. And then, uh, you know, then you get more towards the bottom of the barrel of the one year, maybe like 5 million guys of Lance Lynn, uh, Hyunjin Ryu, uh, Nick Martinez, Michael Lorenzen, Sean Manaya, those types of guys who um, I think if nothing else, you can expect the twins to at least bring in one of those so that, uh, Again, Louis Varland has some competition. Maybe just start him at AAA and figure yeah. it out later. Yeah. I mean, if we just, I mean, a deep dive, not a deep dive, a shallow dive into the Twins rotation. Right now, it's Pablo Lopez, Joe Ryan, Bailey Ober, Chris Paddock, and Louis Varland. Um, I trust three of the names on that list. Um, I like Chris Paddock more than you, so I'm at four. Yeah. I I want to see what Louis, I mean, we've seen what Louis Varland can do at the major league level as a starter. Yeah. Uh, I think he's. There's, there's been a lot of talk about like, oh man, he looked great as a reliever. Maybe the Twins convert him to that. I think he's going to push back on on becoming a reliever for as he should. He want he wants starter money, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, that being said, though, uh, SP five starter money is not that much better than elite uh, reliever money. Yeah. But you know, it to each his own. Um, I think that, in my opinion, the Twins should bring in two pitchers. Um, but. Um, yeah. I just I don't mean, know if they have the money to do it. So Yeah, that, that, and that's not the worst idea too, right? Because Paddock's coming off of surgery. Pablo Lopez was healthy all year last year. He hadn't been in the past. Uh, Joe Ryan, up and down. Bailey Ober, you know, they kind of had to shut him down towards the end of the year mm-hmm. because he uh, was passing his innings uh, threshold and was starting to get ineffective. And so, um, yeah, you, you have a solid top three. And then after that, I think there's still a lot of questions. And so I, I wouldn't be surprised if they bring in two, maybe one kind of in the middle and one towards the bottom. And yeah. You know, figured out from there and knowing the twins will probably be guys on like one-year deals so right it's like giolito on a one-year deal right and maybe it's uh kyle gibson on a one-year deal right maybe it's matt shoemaker please no <laughs> no like like there was the, there was the year where they what they had like jay hap and was it, I think it was shoemaker, shoemaker that year, shoemaker yeah. That year? Yeah, yeah and it was just like all right 
I, I guess we're losing every fourth and fifth game. Chris Archer, Dylan Bundy, Rich Hill, a long and lengthy history of veteran guys on one-year deals that are bad. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about this more in a future episode too, but I do think if they really want to find that number two starter, I think they'll turn more towards the trade market mm-hmm. where they have a lot of position player depth and uh, teams like the Brewers that are probably looking to shed guys like Corbin, Corbin Burns and maybe yeah. Freddie Peralta. Um, you know, that they, they would be expensive, but they're the type of guys where it's like, if you're going to cash in a prospect like Brooks Lee, mm-hmm. they'd be a good guy to do it for, you know? Yeah. And so uh, if realistically, I think the answer is they turn to the trade market if they're trying to fix that number two, like they did with Pablo, and then they bring in a lower level guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll talk about some trade targets more in the future, but until then, I think that's all we got today. Um, John, do you have any parting thoughts on the twins until we meet again in two weeks? Uh, Rudy Gobert is not a trash basketball player. He's not a trash basketball player. He's just not <laughs> worth everything the twin or the Timberwolves gave up. And I agree with him. I agree with and that. And since they have to blow up the team next year, most likely because of the NBA's new uh, financial restrictions, I would rather trade out Rudy than Carl Anthony Towns. I'm with you there as well. Even though you probably can't get much back for him. Anyway, uh, Timberwolves are good. They're the best team in the West. They are going to the finals this year. Jaden McDaniels is my god. Um <laughs> And on that note, be sure to check out uh, Twinkie Town if you want some more Twins-related stuff. If you want uh, more Timberwolves-related stuff, you can check into the last uh, 10 seconds of pretty much every podcast we do here for the rest of the winter because I'm sure we'll have something to say. Um, Anthony Edwards, he's looking real good passing the ball. Um, you can check out John at Pitcher List as well as Twinkie Town uh, for fantasy baseball. John, do you have any tips there as we're you know starting to prep for draft season potentially? Is it still too early for that? Oh, it's never too early to be prepping for draft season. Um, but uh, there's some interesting choices for first for the first round. Uh, we just recently did an episode doing a mock draft of the first two rounds of a fantasy baseball draft. And uh, let's just say everything after Ronald Acuna Jr. was a little bit of a debate. So it's, it's going to be a fun season. Uh, where would you draft Royce Lewis? Which round? Oh, gosh. Um <laughs> Uh, he's probably somewhere in like 10 through 12, maybe, maybe a little bit earlier than that. Maybe, maybe he's, maybe he's going to have to be an eighth rounder, but, um, I think the health is maybe the reason I'm like yeah. a little risky about having him as a third baseman as yeah, my starting third baseman. Frankly, he's also just not going to hit that many grand slams again. Well, so one his, his value is a little inflated, inflated, yeah, just, I think. just a tiny bit. Also, I think it's only over like over 52 games of experience. So actually it, he's not going to be, he's probably going to be going more like 12th rather than eighth. So, yeah. all right. All right. Well, let's get out of here. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter slash X. You can follow John at the John Cub, myself at Ben Jones underscore five and the podcast at twins talk pod. Uh, And again, if you like what you heard, be sure to like, review, share with your friends, give us a five-star rating, and we'll be back in two weeks to talk more twins. Hopefully, Derek Falvey has made eight trades by then. Give us lots to talk about. Uh, And until then, go twins.